Hey, and welcome home again. We're in the last week of a three-week series called Hope Remains. And it's out of this tiny little book called Zephaniah and the Old Testament written 2,660 years ago. This guy is known as a minor prophet, but I promise you he is a prophet because in chapter one, a couple of weeks ago, he came out flaming, talking about judgment day and what we need to be ready for. And the big, the big remembrance from week one, if you missed it, is this, that judgment day is coming for everybody, no matter who you are, right? I mean, judgment day is coming and it's sooner than you think. Then week two comes and we begin to see that Zephaniah turns the corner a little bit and he starts talking about the fact that, you know, there is hope when we humble ourselves and we repent. Now, repent being like a U-turn. I'm doing things my way. I'm going to turn around. I want to do things God's way. And so we have, okay, humility brings repentance. Repentance brings forgiveness. Forgiveness brings peace. You see that equation? from week two. And then in week three, hope becomes a big deal here because hope truly remains and we find the New Testament foreshadowing of Jesus in the Old Testament 2,660 years ago from this dude by the name of Zephaniah. And one of the things that Zephaniah says in all three chapters, which is a big deal, is that we are to be a people that seek the Lord. Those three words are the whole book, right? Seek the Lord. But I think at times, especially in our Americanized Christianity, we don't really know what does it mean to seek the Lord. And uh, if you use Zephaniah and you dig down and figure out what is he trying to say, he's trying to say that this is what it's like when we don't put anything ahead of our degree of seeking the Lord. In other words, we all have idols. Now you might say, Chuck, listen, I got no idols. I got, I got no things. I worship in my house, all that kind of stuff. But we all have idols, right? Some of us are productivity idols. We're so busy that there's no room for God. So he's ahead of God. Some of us, we, you know, our bodies, what we, how we, what we do and how we treat our bodies. Some of us, it's sex. Some of us, relationships. We have all kinds of things that become more important to us than God is. And I get that. I mean, we're, we're a people that are prone to do that. I am, you are, this is, this is the world we live in. But Zephaniah is saying, but wait a minute, it's not as hard to seek after God as you think, because it is a matter of the heart, not about how, all the stuff you change on the outside of your life. And so Zephaniah is making this idea that to seek the Lord is truly about this one thought, to depend on him rather than ourself, and to let him guide us in every facet of our life. It is to seek anything or anyone other than the Lord was to fall into idolatry, right? So anything that's between you and you seeking after God, it, it can become an idol. Now, I, I want to make sure that you're with me on this because we don't think in our common terms about things like idol worship, right? It's just it's not what we think about. It. I know people who make the church an idol rather than God. I know folks that make the way you do church an idol rather than God. I know folks that make telling you how wrong you are an idol rather than God. But the entire perspective of seeking the Lord is an individual effort. It doesn't involve you pointing out the fault of anybody else. It deals with your heart and you and the Lord as you seek after him. So to seek after him is to seek after righteousness, which is, which is meant to seek God's standard in our heart, which relates to our behavior. 
You see, when we get our heart right, and that's why we say around here, we believe the Bible's a big deal, we believe Jesus is the biggest deal, and when you do those things, you can't help but serve other people. And the reason we say that is because when you get, when you get God in the right priority of your life, you can't help but seek after that which is righteous. When you seek after that which is righteous, it's not self-righteousness, it's God's righteousness. Our challenge is it's easier for us to fake being people who love God because when you fake people being like God, then what you spend your time doing is pointing out what's wrong with everybody else, not dealing with your own junk. And the challenge with that is as long as we point as everybody else's junk, not deal with our own junk, we're never seeking after the Lord. Therefore, when judgment day comes, it's going to be more harsh on us when we could clean it up. To seek that would mean we would need humility, meaning the opposite of asserting one's self-will or pride. Now, you say, well, Chuck, I don't have any pride. Well, I, I would argue I'll do. I would argue the greatest challenge any one of us have in trying to live God's will is us. My greatest challenge is me. My greatest challenge is my heart. My greatest challenge is can I get past enough me where I would actually desire God's will for my life. It's kind of like that prayer time from the Lord's Prayer. Would you be willing to say there's a part of you that could grow far better if you surrendered that will to God's will? Well, in Zephaniah chapter 3, beginning of verse 11, this is what we get. On that day, Jerusalem, now let me stop. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, Jerusalem could be replaced with these words. You could say, on that day, you who claim to be people of God, on that day, those of you who claim to be Christ followers, on that day, you people who claim to be Christians will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, but I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Now, when you look at the scripture, you see once again that Zephaniah is talking about this term, the day of the Lord. Now, remember, the day of the Lord is not a 24-hour time period, all right? Remember, God doesn't work on the same time that we do. We like to measure things by one day equals 24 hours, right? 60 minutes equals one hour, 60 seconds equals one. We got it, right? But God doesn't function that way. That's why the scriptures say that to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God doesn't work on time. God works on timing. And so when God works on timing and Zephaniah is saying, there's a day of the Lord that's coming, the day of the Lord that's coming is a season. So, but the season that's coming so that we understand the context here is that there, there was a time that we celebrate as Christmas when Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth as a baby, right? And we know that story. But then he grows up and lives and gives his life to shed his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins, buried in a borrowed tomb, rose three days later, goes to the disciples, say, I've come to give you peace, and is now seated beside God the Father in heaven, praying for you right now. All right, and you say, wait a minute, Jesus is up there praying for me right now. Absolutely, that's what he said, not me. He said he's praying for you right now. What is he praying for you? That you could see how when, when this judgment day comes, you are ready for it because of what he's done for you. In that day is a season that we have to all be ready for. The people of God are going to carry three unique qualities. 
Zephaniah gives them to us right here. Now, here's the question. Use these as a bit of a tool to say, on a scale of 1 to 10, how am I doing on these three qualities? The first one is the qualities of the people that are going to be blessed and carried through this day of judgment are people that have meekness, M-E-E-K-N-E-S-S, meekness. And that's the attitude which, which doesn't hold ourselves above God or any other person but bows our head in submission to him. A meekness. Now, we don't reward that in America. We reward the person who speaks loudest and longest because that's who usually wins. But God says, this quality is something that matters to me because meekness requires us to have the second thing, and that is humility. The, the attitude of genuine dependence on God as opposed to self-satisfied indifference and selfish belief that you don't need God at all. So on this judgment day, when, when, when Jesus comes again, remember, he's not coming as a baby the next time. He's coming as a reigning king next time. And as he returns on this day of judgment, he's saying, I want to honor the people who are meek, who are humble, and then the third quality, those who trust in the Lord. A decision to seek peace, hope, and joy in the character, in the works, and the truth of the living God. So when you look at this, you say, God's going to honor those with weakness or meekness, humility, and trust in the Lord. If you did a scale of one to 10 in your life, how are you doing on these three? So I did that in my life and I was absolutely mesmerized at how bad I am. Like when it comes to meekness, not so good. Comes to humility, failing miserably. When it comes to trusting the Lord, getting better. But in grand scheme of thing, I was subpar across the board. So if you're there with me, I mean, if you're honest, you say, well, I'm I'm just not up to par. Here's the good news. Zephaniah goes on to say, there's a song of joy that God gives us. I want you to join in that. And he starts with that song in verse 14. He says, sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. Now you stop and say, okay, he ain't talking to me. He's talking about daughters and Zion and Jerusalem and Israel, and I'm in Sugar Hill, Georgia. But watch this. What if you were to, again, read this in context? What you would read is, sing, children of God. Shout out loud, people who follow God. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, children that came from the root of Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Chuck, he's talking about me. Okay, you ready for this one? You know how right he is. So what he's saying is, you, you've got every reason to be excited that when this day of, of judgment comes, you can be ready, totally ready, good to go. And when you do, God's going to sing this song over you. Look at verse 15. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Come on. I mean, these words are talking to you. You say, but how do I know that I am that child of God that you're referring to? Are we all children of God? We're all created by God, yeah. We are definitely all created by God. And we all have the opportunity to be children of God. But we choose to be children of God not because of our actions, but because of our faith. Our faith says, 
I believe, God, that you knew I'm a sinner and I needed forgiveness. Therefore, you sent your son Jesus, who was born of a virgin, lived this perfect sinless life, gave his life up, shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin, buried, rose again, seated by God the Father in heaven right now. And the people then, who once were rebellious and polluted and oppressed, are given honor in this song. He speaks of daughter of Zion, Israel daughter of Jerusalem. Again, who's he talking about? He's talking about people who have chosen to say, Christ, I need you in my life. Would you forgive me and come live in my life? I want to do this thing called repent. I want a U-turn. Instead of living for me, I want to live for you. And in this new day, following the judgment and the beginning of a whole new glorious day filled with great joy, it is time to celebrate. He describes this. Zephaniah uses four terms that we're to do. You ready? He says we're to sing. All right? So if you're a male in this room or online older than 20 years old, stand up. Go ahead. Just stand up. If you're 20 years old or over and you're a man, stand up. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you're afraid of what I'm going to do here. I know you are. Listen, I, if I'd said that to a group of women, it'd be like, yeah. I say a dude from a man, I'm like, hmm. yeah, because y'all don't do church. I get it, right? All right, now watch this. We're going to sing. All right, I'm going to prove that y'all can do this. I'm going to prove that y'all can do this. Now, just, just follow after me. Here's the first one we're going to do. Oh, ready? Oh, my stars, that's bad. But this is the part about making a joyful noise, right? God doesn't care. He just wants the noise, right? Let's, let's do it this time. We're going to go, oh. Thank you. Have a seat. You have just made my point that you are perfectly capable of making a song, right? And if you've chosen to say, listen, God, I'm picking you. I don't want to, I don't want to, this whole judgment day, I want to be ready for you. I want to be a child of you. I want to be that part that is the daughter, the son of, of Zion. I want to be the daughter, the son of Jerusalem. I want to be on, in on this new day. He says, then we sing. The second thing you do is shout. <laughs> All right, if you're 50 or older, stand up. If you're 50 years of age of older, stand up. Aren't you glad we love old people? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Man, there ain't as many of us as I thought. All right, all right. So I know that y'all don't shout. I get it. I totally do. Like, I'm looking at some of y'all right now, and you're saying, I ain't going to do it. Chuck, I don't care. You can make fun of me. I, I ain't going to do it. Well, I promise you, I'll come grab a mic and find you. We're going to shout. All right? So I want you on the count of three to give me a woo! Are you ready? One, two, three. And everybody under 30 said, way to go. Way to go. Thank you. Have a seat. One time and done. That's good. All right. So now we've proven we can sing. We've proven we can shout. And then he says, be glad. He just said, be glad. All right. So turn to the person next to you and just smile. Just go ahead. Give them all that teeth. How hard can it be, right? I mean, the whole world is ticked off. We are in perpetual anger in America today. How cool would it be if the children of God just said, I'm just going to be nice. I mean, I'm just not going to be a jerk today. I'm just going to be nice. I mean, how awesome would that be? And then finally it says they rejoice. <laughs> okay, we don't use that word a lot, do we? All right, so if you're alive in this room, stand up. I know that excludes a couple of y'all, but. All right, now watch this. Take this hand and put it out here. And take this hand and put it out here. Now put them like this. And when you put them together, do it loudly. Come on. Now do it three times in a row. 
You're killing it. All right, now watch this. This time we're going to do it three times in a row and stomp twice. All right, you ready? Same old did it backwards, but that's okay. We love dyslexic people too. All right, so this time we're going to do three times, two stomps, and one woo. Are you ready? Woo! Where y'all been this whole time? You're killing it, right? Thank you. Have a seat. So you look at this and you think to yourself, okay, it's not that hard to rejoice, is it? No. I mean, but why don't we do that? I can tell you why we don't do it. Because instead of taking God at his word that says, I'm going to take away from you all of those concerns and all of that fear, I'm going to take away from you all that guilt, we hang on to it. Instead of just trusting God that when he says, I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west, we want to hang on to it as if he's throwing it from the north to the south. Because see, there's a north pole and a south pole, so it has a start and a finish. But the east and the west has no finish. It's infinity. God says, I'm going to throw all that stuff away. And you're going to sing, and you're going to shout, and you're going to rejoice, and you're going to praise. And since God has forgiven Jerusalem's weakness and sins, he's saying he's, he's willing to forgive us. Because, see, God's not angry with you. God is madly in love with you. I mean, the text goes on and says, the Lord of Israel is with you. Never again will you have to fear any harm. No longer will he be present only in his Shekinah glory, he, he's physically here. His presence is there. The personal presence of the Lord is going to render ineffective all the powers that are evil and mean you harm. And in that day, God is going to give us peace. Zephaniah repeats this, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Friend, listen, the Lord is able to save and deliver you. Okay, clearly you forgot the exercise already. But the Lord is able to save and deliver you. That is pitiful. I mean, seriously. All right, let's try this. Thank you. That a girl. The Lord is able to save and deliver you. Can you see the problem, though? Because we just sit there and think, okay, well, that's kind of ho-hum. I mean, that's God doing his thing, my, me doing my thing, but they don't really intersect. But, but Zephaniah is saying, the Lord God is going to hush the crying of his people with an overwhelming demonstration of his love because he's going to gather his people up in verses 18 through 20. In verse 18 through 20, it says, I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. Now, remember what he's talking about are people who couldn't have come to Jerusalem. They're in the outer parts of the world. So maybe you're here today and you say, I grew up, I, I grew up Pentecostal church, and Chuck, and I, how do I fit into this? Well, God loves you. Well, Chuck, I grew up in a Catholic church, yeah, but God loves you. But I, but I didn't go to church. Well, God loves you. But Chuck, I don't do anything like God, but God loves you. And what he's asking for you to do is say, I want to surrender my heart and my will to you so that on this day of judgment, I'm completely ready because at that time, God's going to deal with everybody who has oppressed you. And he says, I'm going to rescue, listen to this, the lame. I always think about, I, I think about those folks on the southern border and I think God's going to rescue those people. I think about people in Haiti living in a squalor. God's going to rescue those people. 
I think about folks over in West Africa without shoes. God's going to rescue those people. I think about those poor people who have to live in New York City. God's going to rescue those people. I mean, seriously, when I look at all this, I think, I don't want to miss this. God's going to, in that song that he sings over you, he's going to give you praise and honor. The creator and sustainer of the world is going to give you honor and praise. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. And you say, but Chuck, really, God must clearly not know me. Oh, no, he knows everything about you, and he still wants to give you honor and praise. All he wants you to do is surrender your will and your heart to him. You say, but Chuck, isn't he worried about what I'm going to do this afternoon? Well, yeah, but he'd rather have your heart than have you change just stuff. Change of stuff isn't the goal here. Zephaniah repeatedly stresses just a handful of things that are going to occur at the time. At the time, he says, I'm going to gather you. He says, I'm going to bring you home, and I'm going to give you honor and praise. Zephaniah's appeal is seek the Lord that the nations will be judged and all who believe will be delivered. Oh, my stars. So after three weeks of Zephaniah, what did we learn? Well, we're all going to have to face God's judgment. And that's, that's any time. We don't know when. But we can prepare for the day. We can humble ourselves before the Lord. We can seek his forgiveness, which he's always willing to give us. And then third... When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he's faithful to redeem us and celebrate us with great joy. Come on, how great is this? We make a choice to join God's people through humility and faith and Jesus the Christ. We make known to the community, the nations, and the world that Jesus is the answer to every issue we face. And the great need is that we learn to allow Christ to live in each of our hearts. And that we celebrate God's faithfulness and forgiveness forever. And that we call worship. So you say, Chuck, so there's, you're trying to tell me that what comes next after all this is that one, make sure that I've gotten myself right with God. Yeah, that's right. But Chuck, um, I, I, I literally don't know how to do that. Well, it's, it's this simple. God, I know I'm not perfect and you are. Would you forgive me? The Bible says he's faithful and just to do that. I mean, not, that's not my word. That's, you know, it's not the Pope's word. That's God's word, right? It's like, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And you say, well, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me and be buried for me and raised from the dead for me because he took the price of my sin. So I, I want to live for you, not for me. And you say, Chuck, I can do that. You're not telling me to go get all my junk in order. You're not telling me to join a church, walk an aisle, pray a magic prayer. Nope, I'm just saying, if in your heart that's your deal, that's the first next for you. Settle that right now. And you say, well, Chuck, now tell me that again. Just, just in your heart, say, God, whatever Chuck just said, that's me. Count me in. Because <laughs> God knows what he's doing. You can trust him with this, okay? I mean, you, you, it's not about memorizing prayers, all right? Well then, but, but Chuck, what if I've done that and I've settled that in my heart? What's next for me? Look, learn how to thank him for all that he's done. Be sure in that group that sings and shouts and worships and rejoices because he is always good and you are always loved. And the third thing is, the best way to tell the world about Jesus isn't to preach at him. It's just go love them.
Just be gracious. Be kind. Serve people. They need something to do it. You say, Chuck, you make it sound so easy. Because it is. Don't make it harder than it is. It's really not. God, thank you that you're good all the time and you love us all the time. Thank you. You made a way that when this judgment day comes that we can be ready. God, if we're ready, I pray we'd sing and rejoice and shout like it. That we we would go out into the rest of this week and we would be able to rejoice with smiles that we might be kind, that we might just be gracious, that we might take this one part of our life, surrender it to you, and you could do 30 more things with it and we might live in peace this week. So we pray that with the overwhelming knowledge that you hear us and you answer us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's sing a sec before we go. Y'all stand. We testified all that he's done, all that he is going to do. We sing in faith that all that God has done. Are you with us? Like lightning. Woo. Come on, you gotta move on this one. Yeah. I believe in signs and wonders. Woo. I have resurrection. I cannot hear you. The miracle that I just can't get over. Singing, shouting, rejoicing. Come on. That's it. Come on. And my praise belongs to you forever. Come on. This is my testimony from death to life. Because grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. Come on, church. By Jesus Christ the righteous. Come on, church. This is my testimony. Come on, church. Bring your lights up. Don't let them hide. Come on, bring your lights up. Y'all ain't hiding anymore. Come on, we're going to sing. Bring those house lights up. We're going to sing a little bit. Yep, some of y'all ain't moving. Bought with blood and washed in water. Come on. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I-
Prince rewrote my story. I'll testify. But Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. fulfillment and contentment because like I said my friend he is always good and I don't care who you are or where you're at you are always loved and on days that get difficult man just let him come behind you and pick you up and carry you not around the mess you're in but right through the middle of it so when he sets you down on your two feet you know he has set you down victoriously to wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his arms around you so you can hear him say up close and personal, my child, say it with me. No, 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 no. Say it where the Methodists hear it. My child. No, say it now where the Pentecostals hear you. My child. Woo! Go in peace. I can't believe you came to church. 